Today, my guest is Charlotte Gettle. Um, among other things, Charlotte is a mother of three children. Now, Charlotte, remind me, boys, girls? I have three daughters, three teenage daughters. Oh, my. Very mm-hmm. fun. Um, uh, she has worked a number of years with youth groups in her church, and because of this um, experience, uh, has written a book. And the title of her book is Spiritual Resilience, Leading Our Youth to Go and Do. I've read the book. I love the book. And we're going to discuss that um, today on my podcast. And maybe you can just, Charlotte, take, take a little bit and talk about yourself, talk about how you came upon this idea for the book and give us a little bit of a background. Absolutely. Thank you, Cindy. I was so eager to teach the youth around me about spiritual resilience. I... I have a specific calling in, in my church and in that calling, I'm over many congregations of, of youth specifically for the young women. Mm -hmm. And so, um, as, as the president of the young women's organization, I have the opportunity to really work with the girls who are 12 to 18 and their families. I get to teach them. I get to um, plan events with them and I've, I've been inspired by them. I've had a calling working with the young women for many, many years. And all of those experiences have taught me their great capacity. Mm-hmm. When I first received my calling as the young women's president, I, I had the most distinct impression from the Holy Ghost that I needed to focus on spiritual resilience. I needed to learn what that was. I needed to learn how to teach it. So I went digging to find answers to that question. Mm-hmm. I felt that the youth needed better answers than the ones that they had heard so many times before. I felt like there must be more information or something more specific that I could offer them. Mm-hmm. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe in the Book of Mormon as another testament of Jesus Christ. Uh, and this book of scripture pairs with the Bible and gives us more access to the interaction that Christ has had with, with, with other people here, here on earth and, and to teach his gospel. At the very beginning of the Book of Mormon, it starts by telling the story of the prophet Nephi. And his story starts when he is a teenager. Nephi is very unique than the other prophets that we read about throughout any book of scripture. Certainly, Christ has relied on the youth to perform many heroic acts. Right. Some clear examples would be would be Daniel and David. Even mm-hmm. Esther and Mary could be in that category. Samuel. Yeah. Um, there, there are many prophets who have started their work as a very young teenager, as a very young person. Well, Nephi was no exception. He did exactly the same. He started as a young teenager. He was living in Jerusalem and he was... Um, asked by Christ for him and his family to leave Jerusalem for their own protection and to basically walk out into the desert and to trust him to lead them (laughs) to a promised land, right? Well, Nephi's family 
um, and their story go on for chapters and chapters at the very beginning of the Book of Mormon, we have more insight into Nephi's backstory than we have of any other youthful prophet. In many instances, we only have a few verses or a few words that describe how they prepared for their fateful choices. Nephi, on the other hand, we, we have a great deal of backstory. And so as I started digging into Nephi's story, I recognized that there were clues as to how he built his faith and what he was learning in order to help him make his choices. And so for the book, I, I know that uh, Prophet's experience is so much more um, informative. It's so full of eternal truths that his story must have the information that the youth of today, the youth who I am responsible for teaching needed. And so I dug into that story and that's what I focus on in the book. That's great, that is awesome. Now, before we get into the book and kind of and talk about ways that we can help, help our children develop spiritual resilience, let's, let's talk about resilience for just a couple minutes. There's resilience, but you're talking about spiritual resilience. Mm -hmm. And can you kind of go over the definition of both and how spiritual resilience is a little bit different, um, or if it is, then, then resilience. In any instance, resilience um, in its elementary form requires you to um, sustain pressure. It requires you to adapt. It requires you to problem solve. It requires you to be able to face a struggle and to work around it in order to stay consistent in order to retain your, your um, elementary function. Spiritual resilience is very much the same. In order for us to be spiritually resilient, we need to pass through the pressures of our life and we need to be able to adapt to those pressures and yet still retain our identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It requires us to receive direction from Christ and to consistently desire to do it to follow it, to be obedient. That, that means that we must know why we're willing to go through that process. We must have motivation to do it. You know, what, what's the point? Why would I want to do that? Right, right. Exactly. I, I think that's probably a question we, we ask ourselves a lot daily. Why do I want to go through this? Why do I? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, in, in my book and in various conversations that I have with women, I really emphasize that motherhood is a long game. You know, um, not every skill, every attribute that we desire for our children, you know, can be developed in, in what that sitcom style where they wake up in the morning and present a problem. And by the end of the day, you know, you've, you've, they have grown and learned this life lesson with a backdrop of, you know, emotional music, right? Like, Motherhood just doesn't work that way. And one of the things I got from your book, which I really liked, is that this isn't in that sitcom fashion. This is a long game. We, we teach our children when they're young um, and all the way through when they're teenagers and young adults and help them develop, develop this spiritual resilience. They don't want mothers to get discouraged when they try things and they don't work, which <laughs> often, if you look at it from a day-to-day -day, um, 
viewpoint, um, that's the conclusion we come to. We don't see them working um, because it takes time to, to an experience. And so often we don't recognize that that um, what seems as a failure is really part of the process. Correct. That that is an experience that Nephi had often. Mm -hmm. He had mm -hmm. he had a problem that he needed to solve. He attempted three times, and the first two were utter failures. <laughs> and yet he didn't recognize that those first two failures led him to the only thing that could really create this miraculous result, <laughs> which was right. following Jesus Christ to the letter. Yeah. Right. That was yeah. the only way it was going to work. And so he didn't recognize that those first two, they weren't necessarily failures. Mm -hmm. They were necessities right. that led him to the most obvious choice next. Right. And just a really quick, quick sidestep. You know, how often my adult children say, you know, mom, when you said this or when you did this, you know, that meant the world to me. And so we have to have some patience and give ourselves some grace and understand that that this that this process is part of that long that long game. Throughout your book, you this three prong approach. One, we have to be examples, and I think that that comes through very well. Having been directed to the parents, what we need to do to be what we can do to be an example, um, and then we teach our children um, in in formal and informal settings and in all times, but. Um, we, we find these opportunities to teach them. And then the third one is that our children have experiences and we help them through those experiences. And mm -hmm. I really like that. I like, um, I like all of that and how that works together to help them learn and grow. You know, um, Cindy, you've had quite a year this year with, <laughs> with your illness, with COVID, with um, you know, even just the conditions that surround the pandemic. You have not stopped being a mother. You have not stopped being an example to your children. In fact, I would argue that you've probably been more so. Your, your children now have this example of, I can understand what my mom would do when she is faced with a really difficult problem. Mm -hmm. I can now expect and predict how she's going to react to the next one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that allows your children to see consistency in, in your faith. And it allows them that time, those, those months, yeah. maybe years required for them to really integrate those principles into their own life. It's right. not something that you just see and then, you know, adapt to the next day. Mm -hmm. You think about it, you ponder it, you see, um, how it interplays with all of your other choices all the time. It, yeah. it takes it takes months and years to recognize all that information and to really integrate it into mm. your own personality. You yeah. have been a mother consistently throughout this whole year. You've never stopped. Right. And right. and that struggle, oh, it was I'm I'm sure very scary and hard. It it did allow your children to see you in a very different light than they've ever seen you before. And I, I call that a life-size example. Mm -hmm. Resilience, mm -hmm. spiritual resilience, isn't something that I can teach um, through uh, a youth lesson. It's not, it's not something that I could teach the youth through a book, right. which is why I wrote to parents, because mm -hmm. parents have to show that life-size example mm -hmm. every single day. You know, they need to show it in the ins and outs of 
their attitude when they wake up in the morning and mm. and their choices on what they're going to do during the day and what's most important to them at the end. They right. they have to show that to their kids in order to integrate those principles into their lives. It's not something that that they could get from one book from anyone writing. That, that's right. And we don't know um, what will come into play in our children's lives. Um, but it was, but it will, and it, and it does. And um, as they go through and struggle with their adult difficulties, um, you know, may, hopefully, may, you know, what I, how, however I handle that situation, <laughs> good days and bad days, um, mm -hmm. will help them in, in theirs. Let's go ahead and discuss um, your book. As you've mentioned, you have taken the story of Nephi through his experiences and choices, and you've set it as a backdrop. Now, I, I know somebody um, uh, who used to say that in order to build testimonies, first we need to set the cement. You know, you, <laughs> you have to give something to build this testimony on that isn't going to shake mm -hmm. when things happen. Um, and so I feel like that's what you did here with using the experiences of Nephi to, um, to build your, your framework. Now, for example, You've taken the, the experiences of Nephi's life and defined it. So in one, in one experience, it, it's I will. And what promise, and you talk about what promises Nephi makes. Well, yeah, there's, there's an experience that Nephi goes through um, where he, he and his family have already left Jerusalem and they've already trekked through the desert. Nephi is in a position where he is a, just a teenage boy and and he is scared he's hungry he's thirsty he's a refugee he has no idea where he is he doesn't have a home he is surrounded by his mother his father and his three brothers his three brothers are um one of them is supportive and the other two are volatile they they can be violent at times they are unrighteous at times they are stubborn, they are selfish, and, and Nephi is struggling to walk away from everything that he's ever known and everything that was ever important to him, and he's trying to do so faithfully while not having ideal support from the people that are closest to him. And in this moment, his father comes to him and says, I've received direction from our Lord and Savior, and he has asked that you and your brothers go back to Jerusalem to obtain some scriptures written on, on plates of, of brass. Nephi in that moment could have said, are you kidding me? Do you, do you see where we're at? You want me to track back into the desert? <laughs> yeah, like I was coming here only because you were leading me and now you want me to go back by myself? You know, there are so many reactions that he could have said, like, you want me to go off with my brothers? They've already tried to kill me twice. Right, and you want right. me to go with them? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he, yeah. he had every reason, every reason to be um, upset, disgruntled, mm -hmm. frustrated. He was not well informed. He was not well fed in this mm -hmm. instance, mm -hmm. you know, and yet he didn't. His, his response as a teenage boy is so inspiring to me. And, and it's what he says, it's found in, in 1 Nephi 3.7. And it's what he says is, 
I will go and do the thing which the Lord hath commanded, for I know the Lord giveth no commandment unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way that they may accomplish that thing which he hath commanded. I, I am so inspired by those words. And there is a reason why Nephi was able to answer the way that he did. It wasn't just because those were the first words that popped into his head. Right. It took years of preparation, which brought him to that point. And so what was it? I try and reverse engineer that mm-hmm. scripture. Mm-hmm. I try and reverse engin- engineer his testimony to determine what, what was it that made him able to do that. Right. And so, yeah, he starts out by, I will. He was willing to make a promise. And he was willing to commit to Christ. How does that apply to us? What am I willing to promise? What have I promised already? And am I keeping those promises? Right, right. And And so I I continue to just take apart that verse mm -hmm. and, and determine what is it that our youth today need to do in order to prepare so that they could also say those same words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think even just the awareness that our, that they have made promises, mm-hmm. you know, are, are when they're baptized, when they take on <clears throat> responsibilities. Um, Absolutely. That next part, which is quoted often amongst uh, many of our faith is go and do. It is, it yeah. is a favorite phrase and, and those words go and do are action. They, they are words of power because they have action behind them. So as a parent, we really have to put action behind Mm -hmm. our promises. We have to show our kids that we are actively trying to keep those promises. We're actively trying to be better and better. And it's in that ability to change. It's Mm -hmm. in that ability to move from where you are at one point to a more faithful state later on. It's that process of changing that really has the power as a parent. And in your book, you say resilience requires flexibility, malleability, and advancement despite opposition. None of these can take place without action. And I I just really feel like it's such an important step um, in developing spiritual resilience um, for ourselves and in helping our children, the ability to change their viewpoint and then be able to change their plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I want to talk just a few minutes too about what are some ways we can help them. I mean, I have, I have one of my children, it, he makes a plan. And if he has five things on that plan and, and four work out and one doesn't, the day is ruined. I, I feel like this is this, this go and do is really important in helping our children. That's, um, learn what go and do means, that things change, that insights change, and um, that they don't always have the full picture in front of them. And perhaps some of these, quote, changes or adaptations that they have to make to their plan, whether it's their life plan or something, you know, smaller. Put a plan in place. And when we have this structure that we believe we can follow step you know, mm-hmm. one through 10 and come to a predicted outcome. Um, it's, it's very important to develop that. That's, that's a critical part of 
of just being self-reliant. But we also have to recognize that Christ knows more than we do. There's no way that he won't know more than we do. And we have to recognize that Christ wants us to have what we want the very most. Mm -hmm. He wants it for us as much as we want it for ourselves. And that we each have a, we each have something else that motivates us. We each have something different. It might be, you might be motivated by family. I might be motivated by knowledge. Someone might be motivated by um, the ability to influence others. Others might be motivated by the desire to just be uh, more capable and to have more ability. We all at our core have something that really drives us and, and, and all of our actions throughout the day um, really come back to that central point of what drives us. Mm-hmm. We need to recognize that Christ wants us to obtain what we really want. He, he has it. He is the best source for it. And he wants us to achieve that, whatever it is, all of our, um, all of our actions, I think for the most part, really come down to a righteous desire. We just might go about achieving it in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. But if we follow after Christ's plan, then his goal is to help us get what we really want in the best way possible. So there's a, there's an instance in my life where there was a great deal of change that went about that I couldn't understand and that I did not see the point of. Mm-hmm. When I graduated from high school, I moved to New York City and I landed a job working at a um, highly successful investment firm. I worked um, at MSD Capital, which is the private investment firm of Michael Dell. I um, worked in a, a beautiful skyrise um, uh, building on Fifth Avenue. I was surrounded by highly successful people. I lived in a penthouse in Brooklyn. I was right on the water. I had the most incredible view of the lights <laughs> in New York. <laughs> you know, I I was I was making more money than anyone my age had ever dreamed of making. Mm. And yet, um, I wasn't happy. I had everything that I wanted. I wanted to gain experience. I certainly wanted to go to school and and that was my plan. But first I I wanted to get experience and I was getting it. I I was surrounded by it all the time. In my plan, I was was, uh, going to work and be successful and I was going to um, get a master's degree and I was going to study law. And um, eventually, you know, when I got older, maybe in my thirties, I'd start having a family. Mm-hmm. And so everything was, was very laid out yet in, in those few months, when I started working in New York, I knew something was not right. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Why, why did everything just seem pointless? Why did everything seem empty? Why did the lights not sparkle as much as they did before? Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to my boss and I gave my two week notice and I was going to go home to Mesa, Arizona, where <laughs> I was raised and I was going to live at home with my parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she just looked at me like, what are you doing? Why would you ever do this? <coughs> she, she offered me, uh, 
uh, promotion. She offered me a raise. She offered to pay for my education at a school in New York City. And it was, it was as if I wasn't even talking. It was as if it wasn't my words. And, and yet I just said, no, I couldn't understand why I was saying no. I don't know why I was right. saying no. I don't know why you were saying no. Why, what is wrong with me? Can you go back and get that job? I, I, I walked away. I walked away. I mean, bless their heart. They gave me a gift from Tiffany's on my way out the door. You know, like, what am I doing? I walked away and, and I went home to Arizona. I started dating my husband almost right away. Mm-hmm. And within a year, we were, we were married and, and we ended up getting pregnant right away, mm-hmm. which was, which was unexpected. So within a period of, um, less than a year, I was married and expecting a child when I wasn't expecting to do any of those things for another decade. When the year and yet you were seeing your penthouse apartment. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so <laughs> what a contrast and, penthouse apartment, baby throw up all over your shirt. I mean, <laughs> Oh, it was, that was exactly what it was. And yet I found out, uh, just a few years later, when I was um, uh, when I was still in my mid twenties, I found out that I couldn't have children any longer. Mm. And so, what would have happened if I had stayed in New York? What would have happened if I had said, "Are you crazy? There's no way I'm giving up this opportunity." Right. What would have happened if I had let those words choke in my throat and say, "Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know what I was saying. I'll be back." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. But it, it would have, my whole life would have been different. And what I really wanted, what I really, really wanted was to have a family. And mm-hmm. Christ knew that even better than I did. Mm-hmm. So if we can follow his process by going and doing exactly what it is that he's asking us to do, mm-hmm. we're going to obtain what it is that we want most. It's not our plan that's going to make it happen. That can always go wrong. Right. It's going to be following Christ that's going to get us exactly what we want. And there's security in that. There's a guarantee in that. Right. And so because of spiritual resilience, you are able to choose the Lord's plan over the world's plan. And I think that that is such a skill that we all want our children to develop when they are faced with that same sort of choice. I think that would be a very difficult life to leave, to go back to Arizona and live with your parents. And so they're great, by the way. (laughs) Yes, that fortitude and resilience is something that we want um, to develop in ourselves as well as help our children develop. Um, I want to talk about when you say, um, for I know. And and Mm -hmm. so my question to you is, how do we help our kids know? Right. Nephi was going to follow the Lord. He was going to uh, be obedient to his parents and he was going to do the things that he was asked, whether they made sense to him or not, because he knew, he Mm -hmm. knew the Lord had called him um, and called his family for a reason. How do we, how do we help our kids know like Nephi knew is is my question. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that he did know what his end purpose was. I'm not sure that he knew, you know, when I come to the sea, I'm going to have to build a ship then I'm going to have to trust it enough 
to put my entire family in it and sail away from shore. I don't think he knew that he was going to have to do that yet. I think for Nephi, it wasn't so, it wasn't so much that he knew he would be successful. He knew that Christ would be successful. Mm -hmm. He knew that Christ has a plan for me. And as I follow through with Christ's plan, then I can be guaranteed success. Mm -hmm. Throughout this entire year, there have been no guarantees. Uh, You know, high school graduations, um, business contracts, um, health and safety, family outings, you know, Thanksgiving, (laughs) for crying out loud. You know, there were no guarantees this year whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our success, a lot of our definition of success can be tied up in all of those things that we have planned for and that we have prepared for. What we need to recognize is all of that can go away. And Mm -hmm. yet our ability to be successful does not depend on an ACT test. It does not depend on a college graduation. It doesn't depend on uh, on a promotion at work. Mm -hmm. Our success depends on following the day by day, many steps that Christ gives us through the Holy Ghost. So it depends we... on whether or not we ask, what can I do today? Mm-hmm. And then following through with that. So how do we as parents help our children? For me, that comes through the temple. It comes through those guarantees that I, I covenant with Christ um, to do and to receive. Whenever we make a promise to Christ, there's always a reward for it. And, and in my faith, there, there are multiple covenants that I make in the temple um, through priesthood ordinances that guarantee me certain safety nets. One of those covenants that I make is to obey the law of obedience. Nephi certainly was obedient in everything that he did. And that obedience has um, uh, application to it. When I am obedient to a commandment that Christ has given me, Christ in turn promises that he is not going to give me a commandment that I'm not capable of fulfilling. Therefore, if there's something that I know that I should do, I know that I'm capable of it. And I know that it will lead me closer to Jesus Christ. And I know that it will lead me to my own personal version of success. So the first step is to determine what is it that you want the very most. Mm -hmm. And then to teach a child how that ties to Christ. How, How can Christ give you a more secure sense of your family? How can Christ be the best source of knowledge? Mm -hmm. How can Christ enhance your abilities? What abilities does he have and how does he want you to obtain it? When we can dig down with our child to determine what is it that really drives you? What is it that you really want? Why Mm -hmm. do you do what you do? And then to tie that desire to Christ and to help them recognize Christ is the best source of everything that you, we want. Right. Then right. It, it, it increases the motivation to do what he wants. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, you, you, you point out in your book that the Lord can provide a better solution than we can provide for ourselves. And I think that that's really important to, to 
instill in our children as well, that when they have a problem or when they're trying to figure out their purpose or, or where, they're, where they're headed, um, that too, like what you're saying, to seek the Lord for those, for those solutions. Um, you know, there's, there, there, there's nobody smarter than a teenager. They're just, <laughs> there just isn't. They have the world figured out. And um, I think one of the challenges that we have as, as parents and mothers is to help our children rely on the Lord and go to him for answers. Um, that if they want to know something, that he's the source of knowing. And that includes their life's purpose and their um, life's, life's journey. Um, you know, I, I also think as a parent, you know, there's no manual and there's no manual because there's no child that's ever alike. And so sometimes in the, I think in this um, children, the four I know part, um, our children can struggle mm -hmm. and they can, they, they don't always um, uh, feel the, the spirit or they don't always um, know to trust the Lord. I mean, helping our children increase their testimonies. That's, that's kind of a hard thing to do. You can't just plan that, right? They have to have experiences. Mm -hmm. They do have your experiences though. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that as parents, we can all do better at being very humble and being very honest with our own personal struggles. Mm -hmm. As we are trying to change and as we are trying to come closer to Christ, we need to help our kids see that own, our own internal struggle. You know, I, if I have a spiritual question, I should talk about it. I mm. should say I have a spiritual question and I right. could, should talk about what I'm doing to try and find an answer. Right. If I, if I have a question, you know, that may not be spiritual in nature, but it's just a, a struggle in my life, I should talk about it and I should help my kids see that this is how I deal with it. I pray mm -hmm. about it. I fast about it. I um, seek counsel. Mm -hmm. When we are able to um, tie our faith to every aspect of our lives, whether mm -hmm. it's something that could clearly be a spiritual question or not, it helps our children to see how it improves all of these aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. There was an instance where, where my grandfather was uh, struggling with his own son. And my grandfather is a person who I talk about quite a bit in the book. And the reason I talk about him so much is because he went from being a lost soul to being a very effective parent through change. He was a uh, a drunkard. <laughs> he was the son of a Croatian bootlegger and they, they made hard liquor in, um, disguise for Al Capone outside of Chicago. Mm. And yet through many twists of fate, he was able to learn the gospel of Jesus Christ and he adapted to it and he accepted it and he changed his life. 
And little bit by little bit, he tried to change. Well, many, many years later, as he is um, learning the gospel, he learns how to recognize the Holy Ghost. And he would become so dedicated to that, to that Holy Ghost and those promptings that he would follow after them no matter what they said. Mm-hmm. At one instance, his own son was really struggling with his faith. Um, Johnny was living in, um, in, in the city in Mesa, Arizona, and he was working. He was a, he had just graduated from high school and he came to a point where he was on unstable ground, um, financially, morally, legally. And he, um, was driving in his truck one night and had a terrible car accident. He just, it was like the last straw and he just didn't know what to do any longer. His, his testimony was very shaky and he wasn't sure what to do next. And yet he walked back to his friend's house where he was staying. And just as he walks in the door, his father is calling him on the phone. In order for his dad to call him on the phone, he had to hike a mile to a pay phone. Oh my because goodness. They lived in this, in this, you know, backwoods outpost and didn't have a phone at their house. So he had walked the mile into town to a payphone and picked up the payphone to call his son. And at that moment, Johnny walks into his friend's house, picks up the phone and says, dad, why are you calling me? And my grandfather just says, I knew something was wrong. What's going on? Johnny had been interacting with his dad for many years and yet was losing his faith little bit by little bit until finally he comes to a point where he has really lost his faith and he doesn't know what to do next. And yet at that moment, his dad received that prompting to call his son. And in that moment, Johnny was able to feel that the savior loved him Mm -hmm. and that his father loved him, even though he didn't accept it any of that time before any of those opportunities that his dad had tried to teach him before he hadn't accepted it. But in this moment he did. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, the Holy ghost spoke to my grandfather and said, call Johnny now. Mm -hmm. And it was strong enough that he knew he needed to get up and do it. And it was effective enough that in that one phone call, he was able to change Johnny's life. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, He worked and little bit by little bit, he solved his problems. He gained his faith. He went on a mission. He married in the temple. He raised wonderful, wonderful children and, and is very faithful and successful today. What is it that um, stopped him from receiving all that information before that phone call? I don't know. He wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. He wasn't ready to hear it. He wasn't ready to accept it. But Christ knew when he was going to be ready. Mm -hmm. And he helped my grandfather know what he needed to do in that moment. So though we can feel unsuccessful many times, Mm -hmm. our kids aren't under our stewardship. They're under the Christ. They're under Christ's stewardship. Right. They're under the stewardship of the Holy Ghost. And so I simply want to live my life to be the type of parent that when I can be truly effective for my children, I'll be close enough to the spirit to know and to be ready and to follow it. And I love that story. I think it also shows that there is no wasted moments. 
mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what you say, you know, how many ch- times your children reject what you're saying, no more than you, and you think I'm not getting through and I'm not getting through. Finally, your grandfather was able to get through. And now all those things that he told them, told him that seem to go through deaf ears will be, can be remembered and the spirit mm-hmm. can come back to their minds. And so, yeah, there is no, there, um, it, it does, we cannot judge the success of helping our children develop this resiliency often by their reaction to our efforts. Mm-hmm. We just, we just keep going and we just keep trying. And um, that's, a, that's a beautiful story. One of the other things that you talk about is the phrase they may accomplish. Um, what maybe just to kind of explain the significance of this phrase. When Nephi said that he would accomplish, I don't think he, he meant that, yes, I'll be able to go get the brass plates in, in Jerusalem and I'll be able to successfully come back to my family. Yes, that was what was being asked of him at that moment, but I think it meant more than that. When he said that they may accomplish, he didn't say that I may accomplish. He said that they may accomplish. Mm-hmm. He was talking about eternal outcomes. And he recognized that the direction he was receiving at that moment had an eternal significance. Christ wouldn't tell him to do it unless it had a really important reason Mm -hmm. that was going to have lasting effects. We need to recognize that as well. When we receive direction on, wow, I really think I should probably do that. We need to recognize that it has more of an impact than just you know, our day-to-day interaction, right? It has a significant impact. Just like my grandfather knew that walking the mile in the dark to the payphone was going to have eternal significance. And it did because his son was then able to make eternal covenants and form eternal relationships. Mm -hmm. We need to recognize that our interaction with the Holy ghost is also very significant more than we can truly realize. Christ is the steward of that process. We certainly are his able helpers, but he really is the director of this process. And he has promised us that we can accomplish the, our, our fullest capacity as we follow after his direction. And it doesn't have to be in these big momentous steps. We are not being asked to, you know, leave our homes and trek into the desert. Correct. But we do have small day-to-day mini steps, Mm -hmm. just mini steps that we're very capable of achieving one small step at a time. Yeah. And that's all that's required. Nothing more or less is this effective. When I read this section, I thought about, um, I thought about this and I thought about my children's ability to include the Lord in their, in their lives and, um, and how they do that and how, how we as mothers help them things. I have kids that run races, run cross country, um, do different things. And, um, one of my kids got injured and I said, you know, let's give you let's have a, let's pray that you'll be, that the Lord will help you heal. And he said, well, why would he care about my shin splits? You know, and I think, I think that as we work with our kids on this, this, they may accomplish idea or framework that, 
we need to instill in them um, that that the Lord wants them to accomplish all things in their life. The one thing we did not talk about yet is in your framework um, is he shall prepare a way. So what are your what are your thoughts on people prepare the way? Christ has this really amazing superpower to make two truths that oppose one another Mm -hmm. both uh, they're both evident they're both true but he can work around them he can he can retain both of these opposing truths and yet create a scenario where um those two truths don't need to hold us back um for example you know we're all gonna die one day surprise surprise yeah but but he's created a system where we can still be with our families, where we can still have existence and purpose and progress. I can make a mistake. And that is very true. There's nothing that I've learned more than the fact that I make, I'm really good at making mistakes. Right. right. And yet I can still live with God one day. And those two opposing truths can still be true because of the work of Jesus Christ. Right. He has this amazing ab- ability to overcome the limitations of our lives. Sometimes we feel like we're in this box and that we don't have any options. Well, Christ is is the ultimate giver of the, of the ladder necessary to get us out of that box. We just need to recognize that um, there is no other way out of the box than through Christ. Yeah. There is no other person, no other source, no other business, no other uh, entity that can provide us a better ladder than Christ can provide us to get us out of that box. Mm-hmm. We, um, you know, you mentioned your son, how he, how he loves to run cross country. Why do you think he loves to run cross country? Uh, he, he loves having his body work like that. I think he loves the speed. I think he loves the challenge. Certainly. I mean, all my kids, I, all my kids were cross country, really? daughters and sons. Yeah, they're, they're all runners. So I, I've spent many uh, miles running myself. I have enjoyed the, mm-hmm. the um, pleasant pressure of shin splints. Yeah. But why do you think they do it? Like why mm-hmm. they, why would they go through that? Right. It's painful. It's hard. It's long. It's dusty. Mm-hmm. It's thirsty. Why would they go through that? Mm-hmm. Why do they want to do it? Mm-hmm. And as we dig down to determine those whys, when we look at the things that we do with our life and then determine why we do them and mm-hmm. dig down to what it is that we really want, then we can tie it back to Christ. Yeah. Like, why do you do the podcast? Why did you write your book? Why do you dedicate your time to your family? You know, what is it that you really, really want? And then recognize that Christ wants to get that for you. Mm-hmm. He wants to give it to you. He wants to um, help you overcome any obstacle in your way. Right. He's not going to take away the box, but he's going to give you the ladder to get out of it. Sure, and that's a great discussion to have with your children. Um about why, why do you do things and then relating it back to Christ. I think that would be a very effective teaching opportunity and conversation. It has Um, to happen often. Like, mm -hmm. I I feel like it's a connection that you have to make all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
our lessons can just be more relevant when they're tied to what really drives someone, mm -hmm. when they're tied to what really resonates with a child. Right. Once you know what it is, then in your in your lessons at home, in your in your discussions over scripture, in your um, you know struggles with life, you can you can frame it in a way that will make mm -hmm. more sense to them. Well, and as you're trying to help your children figure out they you know and why and 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 why do you love to do this? Why why does music fill your soul? You know, why, what is the thrill of the wind in your face and all of those, those things, they can recognize that a lot of the reason why they like to do things is because the Lord has gifted them um, with those abilities and talents. Um, you know, those are great conversations that we, like you said, we should be having with our children often. Um, and anything we can do to expand um, their thinking and um, help them understand um, the spiritual paths that uh, are before them in their lives and give them, help them have the strength to walk them because they're not always easy. No, and they're very individual too. We need to recognize that this path that leads directly from where we are right now to Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. it's very individual. Mm -hmm. And it's not, going, it's not going to be the same for my child as it is mm -hmm. for me. It's not going to be the same for your child as it is for you. We each have a very individual path. And as we follow Christ in those very manageable, small, small impressions all the time, then we'll be able to follow that path directly to him. The obstacles that come in our way will, um, will be negotiable we'll be able to navigate around them. It's not, it's not Christ's goal in order to remove obstacles from us. Right. It is not his goal in order to um, make our path easy, but it is his goal to lead us on the path that goes directly to him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that might mean going over an obstacle or under it, but it is a direct route to him. And so we need, we need to trust him as our director. We yeah. need to trust him on that path. I love how you talk about in your book about, you know, including our children in, in family things, um, fam family goals, family prayers, you know, working together as a family for something. There are lots of things that we can involve our children in. Absolutely. There's... Uh, you know, we all have instances where we are uh, rather slow on that obedience. And that's honest. Mm -hmm. That's the way it really is. And so we don't necessarily need to hide that from our kids. We don't mm -hmm. need to hide those natural reactions to, mm -hmm. wow, you know, I'm really tired. I don't necessarily want to read my scriptures today. Or, mm -hmm. yes, I know I should go help my neighbor with this. Or, uh, you know, I have this responsibility at church and man, if I only had five more hours in the day, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, those, those are natural feelings. They're, they come up all the time. We don't need right. to, we don't need to hide them from mm -hmm. our kids. Instead, we need to show them by example, by mm -hmm. that honest and very humble example of, yeah, this is hard for me, but I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And this is how I deal with that feeling. Mm -hmm. 
this is how I'm going to react to that feeling. I have it. And, and it's okay to share that and to tell your child that, but you also need to pair it with, this is how I'm going to deal with that. Right. And they need to see that they're probably going to have the same feelings we do. Mm -hmm. Wow. I really shouldn't have done that. Or that was a huge mistake or, um, that was indulgent and I shouldn't have done that. Or, um, you know, they, they need to deal with those same doubts. They need to deal with those same imperfections themselves and not feel like they're bad people for feeling them. Right. But we need to give them the example of how to deal with those very reoccurring instances. All those things. Absolutely. I agree. Well, I, um, as we wrap up our discussion, is there anything that you'd like to add or emphasize um, regarding this, regarding spiritual resilience? One, one point that I try and make throughout the entire book is just a sense of confidence. Just the sense that Christ has given you work to do and he wouldn't give it to you unless he knew that you were capable of it. Mm-hmm. Our, I, I have so much confidence in the youth of today. Yes, they can, they might feel like they know everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, they might, there might be instances of selfishness, but I truly, in all my years of working with the youth, I have been edified by my time mm-hmm. with them. I, I believe so strongly that they are going to build on the solutions that we as their parents and and leaders have have tried to develop ourselves. Mm -hmm. They are going to stand on our shoulders and do so much more than we are capable of doing ourselves. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are going to come up with the solutions and the strategies that are going to help vastly more people feel the love of Christ someday in the future. Mm -hmm. It is going to be um, their obedience and their willingness to obey those small promptings that are going to increase their effectiveness far above what, what we of our generation or past generations have been able to do. That's why I feel so strongly about supporting them. I feel very confident about them. I feel very confident in their abilities. They, um, they have the power to do um, Christ's great work. Mm-hmm. And so these, these things that we're teaching them are are critical it's the least that we can do to support them in becoming the heroes that christ wants them to be in the future yeah well said i appreciate your book i appreciate your work that you do and i thank you so much for being here um what a great conversation and everyone listening please remember that charlotte's book spiritual resilience leading our youth to go and do will be available on amazon and you can pre-order now Mm-hmm. Um, and then it will be released on April 13th. Uh, please remember all you moms out there that as we work with our children, help them to grow strong and resilient, that it is a long game. Um, there's going to be ups and downs, days when you might not see how what you're doing is working. But please remember that the seeds you are planting, um, the examples that you are setting do make a difference. And please always Remember that you are doing better.